you do realize, sir, that if you kill her, you have no leverage over the murderer you created. Welcome to The Story Thinker, a Webtoons and Witcher podcast for superfans with scene-by-scene analysis. Featuring sharp co-hosts for a fuller picture, we dive deep into character psychology, relationships, and theories. We'd love it if you could like, subscribe, comment, and rate us on all podcast platforms and social media. For bonus content, you can support The Story Thinker on Patreon. Let's begin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 140 of Purple Hyacinth, Mysterious Mirror, and we are here with Bundan. Hello. All right. So we open up with, we are at the Mirage Opera House, and there are people protesting outside. They're saying Green was murdered because of her work. The oppression must end. Stop the censorship. Justice for the South Shore. Um, she was denounced for, um, she was denouncing what the court has done to us for too long through her plays. Her death was murder. And I was very happy to see people protesting because... It means that they are upset and that they, I guess, in a way, it shows like they have, you know, some freedom of assembly or, or protest, which we have seen people protest before. So they don't expect to be, you know, gunned down in the streets at a protest. So, so that's great. Yeah, I think like the, a lot of the stuff that they put in after the, the, um, the factory stuff was you know they're in they instilled a curfew and all of these things, but there's only so much that they can do while keeping the whole idea of having more social freedoms under this king so yeah I, i'm happy to see that they're able to protest and stuff and that they're not really being met by any sort of resistance from the people in charge for mm. now which is nice but i could see that maybe being a topic for future episodes if this continues mm. um but yeah um also you tend to see a lot when some a big public figure because she was like you know you could assume that she's like a, a, a popular actress especially for like the lower classes and for the plays that she wrote her death on stage could be perceived as some sort of inside job or some sort of conspiracy because of all of the things that have been happening and the lack of the of the trust that the people have in the institution so yeah, yeah i don't blame them for being this um this um mad about it and wanting to like let their grievances known i think that's a good thing to see yeah definitely mysterious circumstances <laughs> but yeah. yeah this episode is really cool because it will run detective work but we'll get into it in a mm-hmm. second yeah and will asks do you think it could be true he asks lauren that the monarchs could be behind this and she glances at the poster and she says this isn't above them the play is definitely an allegory referencing the south shore situation Adeline, the ghost personified the people trapped in the cathedral or the South Shore for eternity because of some noble shames. Yeah, it's, it's a nice synopsis of, of the play. I never even thought of it in that lens, but then yeah. we also don't know her other works as well. So it kind of like in universe, you could see like the reason why the play was made in a way. I don't know. It adds a bit of richness to like Green as a character in a way, mm-hmm. posthumously. So I, I I appreciate that they kind of did this thing where they added a little bit more depth to what she was doing and kind of lay the groundwork for her wanting to like work with Sandman and get the the get the Phantom Scythe out and try and get a new order in place. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah, we also did see the whole play play, so we wanted to have a gotten full depth. But as she says, but I don't think the court was trying to silence Green here. Her death was too 
unsubtle to be there doing, which is a very good point. <laughs> Fairly obvious. You're trying to hide. That was not the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, um, the government would want anything but some sort of big flashy death for someone that they were trying to like get rid of or deal with, right? So yeah, I, I do like that guess. they it's more like they're trying to scare someone, but then no one took no one took responsibility. Yeah, if anything, it would be to scare someone, but then they should realize that with all of the social unrest going on, that some people would point the finger at them due to just the lack of trust. So I don't think it would have been in their best interest to go about something like this. And I'm glad that they brought it up because I I think I mentioned last episode that I like, you know, well, what if I don't know if I mentioned it, but it's like, oh, what if it was the royals were behind some of the things that are going on, right? So I know I, I like that that is an angle that they're going for mm-hmm. because we thought of it. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that it's something that is actually in the comic itself. Right. Well, if the Phantom Scythe did it, then it kills two birds with one stone because A, she's plotting against them and they get rid of her. B, they could now agitate against the royals because mm-hmm. people think exactly. that they did it. Yeah. So it really is just, the, it makes the most sense for it to be the PS at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And um, they are walking into the upper house and the director is there. I was excited to see him because I was like, is he shady? Is he not? <laughs> so I think my conclusion is not, but we'll, we can discuss when we get to the yeah, end. I would say mostly not, but maybe, you know, I mean, everybody, like we, late in the episode, we see that he says one lie, but it maybe sense, it's, for, it, it's not like a lie that would necessarily hinder much, I think. Or if it does, like, he seems like he's very not involved with whatever's going on, at least. He's been very upfront about everything. And yeah, I mean, just one lie about something, maybe to protect other people or something. I don't know. But overall, he seems like a solid guy. I like Mm -hmm. him. Glad to see him again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he says, oh, thank goodness you're here. Good morning, Lieutenant Hawks. I will show you the way to Morgan's room. Please follow me. Thank you, sir. I love that he called Lauren detective. Yeah, so he's like, his arm is is clenched. He says, forgive Mm -hmm. me, I know investigation details are most probably confidential, but please may I ask if you've made any advancements? And that was my first, that was like, where I was like a little sus because I was, hmm, is he trying to hide something? Is he trying to see what they already found out? But then I don't think, uh, given more, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, no, like given the context of everything he talks about, right? It makes sense that he's like, do you guys know what's happening? Like, yeah, because he's concerned about his the rest of his troop that he has under him. Right, so. and that part's not a lie. He says either this is a concern, he's terrified. So that part is true. So I think that's just checks out. And they go down, and then he's like, first Morgan, and now Brandon too. Uh, right, so Brandon must be the guy that died, uh, yeah. the actor that died. And All Anthony's... the simps are safe because their boy didn't right. die. Well, well, yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anthony is still in a critical state. Uh, and Lily was like, is Anthony Albion? But no, Albion's Albion. Wait, I just, wait, is, Albion was his character's name, though. We don't know his real name. Oh, shoot, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's not Brandon, it's not Anthony, okay? It just has to be. If we find, y'all need to like ask or something, be like, is it, it was his real name Brandon or Anthony? <laughs> because he was on stage with her the most, I maintain. Because no. I did look for his name, and it's only as we're reading it again that I realized, oh, yeah, that was his character's name. Yeah, you know what? That is a very good point, but maybe, you know, they made an exception for him, and it's really his real name. 
for you guys' sake, I hope, but also I think it would still be really funny. No, it's not funny at all. <laughs> all right, enough fetching. So he's like, an Anthony's still in critical state, and with all the protests outside, the sooner this order to be resolved, the better we'll all fare. And then she asked one of the actors past and said, yes, we just learned this warning. It's terrible. You have our most sincere sympathies. And Marsh says, regarding the investigation, I can tell you at least that we are taking the matter very seriously and have identified the poison. It is a matter of time before we find the culprit. So thank you. I'll be watching outside. Her room is yours. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And Marsh says, there is actually. And there's this wonderful shot, which I have behind me and I'm going to use for the cover. It's like a movie cover. They're like... Like coming in, you know, like mm-hmm. the presence. Really cool. yeah, they're, they're, they are on a mission. Yes. <laughs> I really love this shot. Um, coloring is great. It's very rich. It's very, like, it's a lot of burgundy and maroon this episode, which is not a typical pH color. They usually have, you know, obviously the purples and the blues and the outsides and then like some pinks, you know, but this is, mm-hmm. I like this, the coloring here. I don't know if this is just me, but I always associate like deep red with like uh, a like a theater or mm-hmm. anything like that because I think like the big red curtains and stuff that they usually have. So these mm-hmm. kind of like dark like wood tones and reds, I think, are really fitting for that setting, and yeah. also make it unique in our minds when we like think back on it. Right. So when I think Pretty of the, the circus, I think of like a lot of those orange tones because of like the types of lights that yeah. are used there. But when I think of, let's say, the factory, it was a lot of, like, muted colors, yellowy, but, like, dark. So, like, yeah. Yeah, every, I like when they have sort of a, a color story with each location and then also to try and fit the mood of, the, of like, what's going on because then that makes it stick out more in your mind. So when you look back, it feels unique. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I think it's a wonderful way of, like, branding. Mm-hmm. All right, and he continues, the detective previously in charge of the case has already taken the depositions of the people here, but there are a couple of details we need to revisit if you don't mind. And Lauren is looking around. She's really investigating. She sees the makeup desk, lots of makeup, which obviously we speculated was one one way that it could have gotten on. Um, And she thinks everyone has something to hide. What did you, Green? (laughs) And she sees her desk to the trunk and there's papers on the floor and there's a desk which has a lot of papers on it and a telephone. and then she thinks she's taking pictures. March asks, are you aware whether Miss Green had any conflicts going on in her life, any tense relationships with her colleagues, family, friends? And meanwhile, Lauren's looking at all the papers, opening the drawers, more papers. She says, none that I know of. Uh, the director says, none that I know of. She was quite loved around here. To the best of my knowledge, she never really spoke about anything of the story. And she thinks, there's, Lauren thinks, bills, more scripts, correspondences. I have quite the reading to do. And she hands him some papers, March papers. He says, what about fans and spectators? Miss Green's been in the business for a few years. And the director says some of her previous works could be considered audacious, polarizing. Did she or the theater receive complaints, threats, anything of the same nature? Well, there are always some dissatisfied viewers. That's for any play, but our audience is predominantly appreciative. And Lauren's again doing more looking. She's looking underneath the desk. She says, he says, sometimes Green would get criticized in the papers or the theater would receive complaints, but nothing serious. I've never seen or heard of real threats per se. And Lauren is checking. She says, no, thinks to herself, no false bottoms, nothing hidden behind the furniture. And she asks, what about the actress who was originally supposed to play the ghost? The poison could have been meant for her too. And he says, oh yes, same for her. She's a really good actress. So some people might be jealous that she landed another lead role. 
but I haven't heard of anything serious. Ms. Starks injured her ankle just before the play, and Green was supposed to replace her until she felt better. Huh. I feel like, do you think that Miss Stark, you know, someone placed something in front of Mrs. Stark's ankle so she would trip and, and injure herself? Maybe, uh, like, she could be involved or someone could have been, like, because they needed to get the poison either in her makeup, in her dress. So they had to have people in the theater itself. And who's to say that someone didn't set something up so that Starks hurt her ankle because they knew that Green would be the um, the understudy. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's the actress herself. I mean, it could be, but I feel like it could have just as easily been people like pulling the strings to get Green on the stage. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And she, he asks, would you like to speak to her? She's here today. So I think we're going to get some, an interview with her next episode or something. Maybe, um, yeah. And so, yes, we'll talk to her later. Thank you. And Lauren is, she found a paper bag and she sees a camera in it. And she says, she thinks that's some expensive camera. Damaged. No film inside. Looks like the film chamber was forced open. No films in the case either. Well, that is sus as heck. Yeah, this whole, like, as we begin to read, we really do get the impression that's, like, either while she was on stage or after, well, probably while she was on stage, someone really began to like rifle through her things looking for something of hers because we see the camera we see her desk is a lot more cluttered than it should be chest is like pried open and then Mm -hmm. there's that secret passageway which is very phantom of the opera which we talked about earlier um but yeah just um really interesting I wonder how again they they knew it was green specifically because she seemed to be very under the radar but I also, like, I'm pretty sure they knew that Sandman was involved as well. They tried to take him out earlier this season. Mm-hmm. So who's to say that they didn't figure out a few of his other, like, co-conspirators? Yeah, yeah exactly. They're following him. Yeah, so someone took out that film. Remember she was taking pictures with it, um, of Raphael, et cetera? <clears throat> yeah, um, at that meeting by, by the docks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when she her light got grazed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is finally why remember we were like, oh, did she get grazed because of the, like, we knew it was significant. And now we finally see, like, it was significant because Lauren saw her in the morgue. And that's how she figured out she was up to something. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, a smart, because I know people were wondering maybe she got poisoned that way. Right. But I also like the idea that it was still a detail that was used later, not only in the episode itself to show that Green was spying, but also to show, to make, show, Lauren that Green was acting maybe suspiciously or was involved in something else so yeah having something play multiple parts in the plot is good yeah yeah that's good Mm -hmm. and she asked who had access to Green's room in the last days before the premiere the director says hmm hard to tell it could be anyone this room is sometimes used as a dressing room by lead actors before plays which means that makeup artists hairdressers assistants also come here the janitor cleans once or twice per week He's been slacking these days. Told him three days ago. Got to remind him to clean that rehearsal room again. Which I feel is going to be a plot point. <laughs> There's something up yeah. with the janitor in the rehearsal room. Yeah, I, then also the fact that he mentioned like hairdressers, makeup artists, all that. And that's all like theories that they had for how she got poisoned. So mm-hmm. yes, but the 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 janitor having a lot of details about him makes him a bit more interesting. <laughs> Yep, I think he's going to get interviewed too. Mm-hmm. And she says, so anyone could have come here and tampered with her belongings or steal something. 
And then she had, he asked, by the way, or she asked, by the way, any idea where Miss Green was developing her pictures? I'm afraid I don't, unfortunately, but she probably must have kept receipts in her filing cabinet. Green was extremely organized. She had a habit of leaving newspapers or discarded documents on the floor, which we saw before. But she otherwise kept everything religiously clean and classified in order, especially her scripts. And she's like, oh, yeah. And then we do see a lot of documents on the floor because her desk is pretty messy to me. He's like, oh, well, now that you mention it, I suppose it does look a tad crowded. She must have been too busy with the upcoming show to care as much. I said, hmm, what about her costume? And Will is waiting outside. I, I love Will mean? just like not being involved, just kind of standing there. I, I get the feeling funny. that he, I get the feeling that he's there so that he can look more into um, Talia. Oh. I I don't know because that's the only lead he has on her so far. So I feel like maybe in the next episode we might get some stuff with that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's like my that. theory. So I was like, yeah. why is he there? I like that. That's maybe he volunteered, and that's why he volunteered. <laughs> Right. So with them. Mm-hmm. And she asks, when did Green wear it before the premiere? And she says, during rehearsals. The last one was the day before the premiere. She's taking pictures. And she, she asks, was Green fine? She was perfectly fine until she started coughing at the premiere. She's looking at the chest and she thinks the chest was clearly forced open. The wood and the lock are damaged. And she asks, who had co- access to her costume since that last rehearsal? Well, the costume master and his technicians. They make sure all costumes are clean and ready before any play. They're all stored in the dressing room near the stage. I'll bring you there when you're done. So I think, I mean, the fact that it was forced open, to me, it means it was someone who didn't have access normally. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it was the costume master and technicians because they would have been yeah. just a key. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought this was maybe like a set of her personal things that she kept in there. But mm. yeah, you think- I was wondering because he's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I was confused because I thought that those were her costumes. And why is her costumes like outside the, you know, um, dressing room? But mm-hmm. I, I guess yeah, because this, this looks like a pair of gloves, a skirt, a mask. Like maybe these are just things that she probably used to get ready for certain plays or whatever. So yeah, I think this is, that was like a personal box of hers. What? I wonder if the mask okay, was she planning on using it for the mask ball, Radcliffe's ball? Was she invited? It reminded me kind of of the um, old police masks from from the Discover era because those yeah. were like full face uh-huh. masks. Yeah, Maybe, I wonder if that was like an Easter egg or something. But you know, like theater has those like the mask is sort of a big image for like theater. Give the smiling one yeah. and the frowning one. Yeah. Oh, uh, I was just in Venice where they have lots of masks. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Venetian masks. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And now he asks, did you notice anything unusual in Miss Green's behavior or comings and goings prior to her death? And now he's like, no, not really, but that's a lie. And she's like, are you sure, director? And he's like, uh-huh, well, yes. And then he says, that's, that's still a lie. And then he continues, truthfully, I mean, it wasn't anything really different from the usual. So what was she doing? Anything particular, particular to you? Well, Morgan sometimes received weird phone calls during the day. And he's frowning but sometimes also at ungodly hours in the night. Always short, and she's speaking in a hushed tone. Some crew members noticed her going out late at night as well a few times, but, you know, it was none of my business, so I didn't inquire further. So I, I think his lie was just to protect her because he didn't want her to, like, get in trouble, even though she's dead. Um, yeah, that kind of seemed more like... Mm, like, I, I mean, anything you think anything you say can help, potentially, but maybe he was kind of hesitant to bring it up, but then he did bring it up, so... Yeah, again, I think he's pretty much in the clear and he was just kind of 
a bit protective of her. Maybe yeah. he, he was a bit suspicious of her activities, but decided to like turn a blind eye. Yeah. But yeah, clearly yeah, the phone calls at night were for Sandman and stuff, I think. In my mind, anyways. Right. That's what I think as well. It's possible that he even, you know, thought that she was doing something anti-PS and he, he like kind of supported it in his own way, so he didn't say anything. Maybe. Yeah, but uh, definitely she was doing stuff. And now she sees a hat with a feather on a hat floor stand. And she sees that the feather is moving. So she thinks an air draft. And Marsh says, I think we're done. We have a very nice fish eye view. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, well, he's like, we got a long day ahead of us. Let's go check the costume. But she's like, hold on. And she pushes aside the curtains. And she frowns and she's like, what's this mirror still doing here? Because we see a cracked mirror. And he's like, oh, the house opera is old. Some of the furniture and decorations are just as old. Nobody bothered to take this one down. Never knew when it could be used as a prop. Ha ha. And she's like, of course. So what Hi, do you think uh, that is? And do you think the director knows what it is? Um, Maybe he does because he doesn't say, oh, that's just a mirror. Don't worry about it. He just kind mm-hmm. of mentions its age and the fact that they never got rid of it, which are both facts. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, a secret passageway thing. Um, again, very Phantom of the Opera because it's like the door mm-hmm. through the mirror to get in through like the tunnels and stuff. I think that was maybe how whoever it was got into her room to rummage through her stuff. And that yeah. was maybe also how she was able to like go in and out without arousing much suspicion because mm-hmm. she could like get a call at night, leave, and then come back in through there as well and not be seen really. Um, yeah, I, and I'm just like, Lauren's looking like for false bottoms and drawers and all these things. She didn't think to look for like a secret door. <laughs> but I guess she would have assumed that she would have heard the um, the director mention it because he's he knows the stuff. But also I would be looking for everything because I really thought, oh, she's going to like open it. It's going to be a secret door. But then she just leaves. And I was like, because she saw the feather blowing in the wind. Uh, but whatever. Maybe she has uh, her reasons. I think she's i assume she's planning on coming back because there's such an emphasis placed on it like you see she they leave and then like it pushes again so obviously there's something some source of air mm-hmm. but i assume she's gonna come back but i guess i have a question like is she planning on sharing everything she observed with march or is she keeping it to herself because she's doing it like a separate loon investigation that's tying into her ps stuff maybe this is something she'll report to kieran and then he can investigate it mm. i don't know because she she's got her detective thing maybe she's trying to preserve that get more information through that and also just because she wants her job back um so i don't know but yeah i that's definitely gonna play a role eventually but whether or not she talks too much about it is something else i don't know uh, i hope yeah. I, I would like if she mentions it to march but also march is sussy so i don't know i i I'm going to guess that she's going to tell him some things, but not everything, because she yeah. won't want to reveal that she thinks she worked for the PS, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, against the PS, whatever. Yeah. We'll find out. So now we go to Aradicuith's office, and he is sitting and talking with Raphael, two of our favorite R characters. Do they have anything else to do? I feel like every time <laughs> you see them nowadays, that is just in his office talking shit about everybody. No, no hobbies. They're very sad, pathetic people. <laughs> they need a life. 
<laughs> yes. Hmm. and Raphael get a life. Sounds like a like a title of a book. It does sound like the title of a book. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting in his office. Rathka figured out that she's probably a spy because she's one of the ladies' courts and she attends all the events. Sorry, this is actually Raphael. Uh, she attends all the events and she accesses the queen's eyes and ears. And she feels that she was supposed to meet Radcliffe at the theater. And he says, I'm not sure what she was doing the night that she was here, but she hadn't been in the meeting room by accident when Zephyr surprised her. So he's also not a fool. <laughs> no, I kind of hate that he's this smart. Bad guy. Yeah, because he's, he's getting all of my faves in trouble and I don't <laughs> like it. I know, right? We're like we we're we're okay as as food has pointed out many many times we're okay with Kieran doing all sorts of bad things because we don't know the people here he isn't even killing them he's just like putting them in a position where they will get killed and we're like we need you Raphael it, that, that, I will accept that dichotomy yeah. <laughs> right because we know these people well and we we don't want to see them get hurt but everything for the past I want to say like ten weeks has been setting up that this blonde bitch is gonna cause shit for our people and yeah. i'm not happy about it mm, i like that description <laughs> yes bitch. sorry the blonde <laughs> bitch named albert um, well yeah the other ones too but yeah i thought Raphael, yeah. but both of them <laughs> both of them it's the same yes they're both blonde bitches yeah although i will say redcliffe is back to looking pretty in this episode because he wasn't i mean not for so long what not, not for long. long. He does nothing when he bites that olive and it looks all gross. <laughs> all right. And he says, I see. It wasn't enough for her to be a distraction. She needed to become a nuisance. Oh my God, Redcliffe. People don't revolve around whether or not they distract your circus members from working hard. Seriously, that's not how you measure a person. Distraction or not distraction? Yeah, no. Manipulative asshole. No, okay. I, I'll get into this in a bit. But I have some words about this man's <laughs> thought process. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he's twirling his martini and he says, get in touch with the floor. Wouldn't it be sad if the queen's little hound was killed on the hunt? He eyes his martini. It's a very nice shot. It's a very dramatic moment. And then bite. He just bites on the olive. And that's the end. <laughs> okay. I'm going to point out a few holes in this man's um, logic here, right? Okay. So past like couple episodes show him doing his manipulations for Bella in the past by holding Nero over her purposefully having Bella perform knowing that Nero will be there to see if she'd be distracted by her hold that over her head all that stuff right so this man is now going to try to kill her because she is now becoming a nuisance you do realize sir if you kill her, you have no leverage over the psycho that you will not bell no psycho, but like you have no leverage over the murderer you created. <laughs> and then also, if she learns that you have done that, which she probably will because she's not stupid, she is going to lose all faith in you because she stopped being with Nera to protect her only for you to kill her anyways that shows a lack of um keeping your word it shows a lack of of it just basically shows that she can't trust him anymore so all bets are off bella will fully be 
like completely unhinged at that point and I can't wait to see it I don't want to see Neera die I want to see Bella Bella's faith in him be completely broken I mentioned this in the server earlier where I was like he the people are talking about maybe having Kieran kill her kill Neera and then maybe and like I assume that Radcliffe knows that Kieran and Bella have like maybe a bit of a friendship so he's like, yeah, in order to do this, and then he, well, we haven't seen him learn about Lauren yet, so I don't see him using that right now. If he were to find out about Lauren in the future, then he could probably use her against Kieran to make him do that. But then there's nothing stopping Kieran from going up to Bella because of their little packs thing, be like, Bella, your guy's making me kill your girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm telling you now because we're cool. I don't want to do that. I'm also being blackmailed, though. So how about we work together to get rid of him? Mm. And like obviously, totally that easy, but it's just something that I would appreciate because this man is just acting stupid now, and he's gonna lose the the one leverage he has over her. If he had just let Bella have Nero, and be it would have been fine. Obviously, Nero is a spy, so it wouldn't have been ideal, and things could have gotten out. But still, he would have had a happy Bella who trusts him and respects him. But no, he has to be having things over people to manipulate them. So yeah, you know it's his own. I love your analysis. I think you're 100 right, and I think that his own arrogance is going to be his downfall. And he had that with the leader too, right? He was like a trying to rebel against the leader, and he was like, "Oh, the leader will never touch me." And even after he was beat up, he was like, "Oh, I'm totally fine." Blah blah blah. Is he's so overconfident that he does not accurately judge reality? So yeah, well, down the drain you go, Redcliffe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much you can take from a person before they bite back. Mm-hmm. he's already taken a lot from Bella he's made her into the person she is and she made herself to the, be the person that he wanted her to be um, Nero will be the last straw if she even mm-hmm. catches wind of him making an attempt on her life I, Bella ain't coming back I think I think Bella would turn I also really hope that they don't kill Nero <laughs> that would not be good yeah I, yeah, I I don't I don't like that idea because also I feel like that would just send Bella completely in a spiral, and she'd become like you know burn the world type person. I don't want that. Um, so I don't know. I just want to see them be happy. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think she's gonna die either because so often F obviously don't really kill important people as it turns out. They don't kill important people, but like Mira is kind of important, but she's not main for important. So that's my concern. Yeah, but we also have that scene where she tells Lauren that he's dead, so I have a feeling Yeah, so that... we see Nero still alive right, exactly. toward the end of this. So that's, like, one thing, too. I forgot about that. So, yeah. okay, a bit of faith restored. <laughs> yeah. At yeah, least I we can know see that she ain't dying for a while. If, if, at least we know that she, w- like, if she were to be killed, I don't want it to happen, but at least we know that she's alive into, like, the next couple weeks of <laughs> right. in canon. So... Mm-hmm. I yeah. can see a scenario where assassins or whatever are sent to kill Nera and Bella is like there or whatever. Like maybe she's like secretly been waiting to talk to her or something. And she just swoops in and kills all the would-be assassins and rescues Nera. And that's like the dramatic climax. So she's like, we're out of kill it up and switches. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if that, that happened, right? Because she's like looking over and then she sees the assassins coming, deals with them, realizes that Nera needs to be out of the eye of the phantom scythe maybe well kieran she owes kieran a favor so having her go to him would 
probably wouldn't happen. But that would explain why Nera's in the cave. Okay, they don't right. seem to know about the cave. Uh-huh. So like she's like, well, I can't house her in my extremely conspicuous trailer. <laughs> no. But yeah, but I, I, just, I just really want to see the Bella Kieran team up, man. Want to see them, <laughs> want to see them We're protect the each other's one. girlfriends. That's what I want at my core. I've wanted it for weeks, months, years. I'm yes. a simple woman. <laughs> but also, I, I think it'd be nice for them to be, what? be able to write. I think it'd also be nice to see them sort of rise up and not let the fans of sex control them anymore by helping each other break out mm-hmm. of it. Yes, work together, teamwork, people. yeah but again this this man trying to control the two deadliest assassins in the city by controlling the people they care about while they themselves also like in a way care about each other i don't think it's very intelligent and i think it's going to bite him overconfidence he's not surviving the end of this comic whether or not he i i honestly could see him not surviving the end of the season Mm -hmm. um bad rubbish yeah so hmm. who's to say maybe he dies at his own posse wouldn't that be nice <laughs> <sighs> that's a, that's very fitting well um kira's art corner what's your favorite panel Ooh, my favorite panel um i hate how pretty this man is i know right Sucks. like i really like this one of him looking down at the at the martini just mm-hmm. aesthetically pleasing but maybe my favorite <laughs> panel is the, maybe the ones of Lauren looking into the broken mirror or I mean yeah there's not really like super standout ones I do like your background one as well yeah but I'm also so suspicious of March that I'm just like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's let's put her looking into the broken mirror for now because the end note that they put was also really funny about that Oh, yeah, what, what it does it say? Lauren looking into a looking at a broken mirror. Ah, oh, yes, finally an accurate <laughs> image of myself. Yeah, all these mirrors, mirror motif. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I think we've covered it this podcast. Record pretty pretty record time for for a PH podcast. I mean, when it's only two of us, then it's a pretty just kind of exposition type episode. I don't think there's much that we can really mm-hmm. go into, but yeah. still a lot of things that they're they're building up a lot of of character things some new information mm-hmm. yeah moving along moving kill the sky getting some answers to questions yeah mm-hmm. cool beans cool beans yes all right thank you so much Bundan. i appreciate it Anytime. you are a pleasure to talk with as always thank you thank you for ha- continuing mm-hmm. to have me yeah au revoir Thank you to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Lily, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Saucy Tuggles, Anna Rose, Alexa, Misty, Joanne, Imelda, Esther, Watching You People, Emily, Jean, Jen, Kay, Lily, Beckett, Christine, Sidney, Teresa, Mrs. Casaldo, Nini, and Emma Cora. Your support is truly appreciated.